0: Here I am on the couch with my phone, but I I gotta say something. I gotta say something. You know, I haven't even been following this whole Supreme Court deal. I mean, that's the most boring bullshit you could ever imagine. But like everybody, I'm aware of the whole, the question they asked her. They tell us, tell us, what's a woman? What is a woman to you? I don't know. I'm not a biologist. It's a good joke. I have the best answer to that, though. I have the best answer. Which, if you were to ask me, if it, I mean, I'm imagining this scenario where I'm sitting there. I mean, imagine that's my dream. My, I don't want to be a Supreme Court justice. That's hell. But I would love to sit in front of the whole world and just answer questions like that. Like imagining them asking me, "What's a woman? What is what is a what is being a woman?" What what does it mean to, what is a woman? I don't even know what the exact question was, but it was along those lines. But if you were to ask me that, if you were to ask me what is a woman, I would say, I know one when I see one. I know one when I see one. That's the truth. Put a woman in front of me, put somebody in front of me and ask me if it's a woman, if you want to know the answer. Easy. Easy. It's the easiest, that's the easiest question, it's like a slam dunk, like, that's like getting a test in front of you in school, and realizing you know all the answers, and I, that's the best answer to everything, I know it when I see it, what's a poser, I know it when I see it, what's a, what's a, this, what's a such and such, I know it when I see it, what's a black person, I know it when I see it. What's a... Uh, it's amazing. I love it. No, actually, I like her answer, though. I like her answer. I don't know. I'm not a biologist. It's a good answer to anything. It's a great answer to anything. What's a human being? I don't know. I'm not a biologist. I mean, it's like, it's like the perfect... like. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like the perfect uh <laughs> dismissal of a question you're going to and you could use it for anything i'm going to start using that i'm going to start using it i'm i'm just trying to think of different questions somebody could ask me and i could answer that i mean I, there's so many i can't even narrow it down what's a tree i don't know i'm not a biologist what makes a tree a tree and not a bush? Not a bush. Make some jokes there. I know it when I see it. Now, we're sick. I think we, we truly are. Now we are so sick. And anytime I see some sort of milestone achieved, anytime I see people patting themselves on the back in this society today, I'm just like... This is the era people are going to look back on as the the death throes. Anything you achieve in our culture today right now is what people are going to look back on and associate it with decay, demise, rot, rot. Well, what does it mean for a culture to be rotting? I don't know, I'm not a biologist. I know it when I see it. Now, I don't. It's really inconceivable to me how anyone could be proud of anything right now, and I don't mean that in a nihilistic way. I don't mean that in a uh, I and mean, it sounds horribly negative. <laughs> but like I really don't. I, I don't see how you could be proud of of some sort of public achievement in this environment. There's plenty to be proud of on a personal level. I don't mean for that to be too sweeping. Like, there's plenty to be proud of in your life. But I don't see how you could be proud of anything that gives you accolades. It's just... I mean, that I would love to be in a situation... I wish that I was in a situation where I was with an entire group of people sitting in a circle and they went around one by one and asked us what a woman is. I would just say this is sick. This is sick. This is sick. Oh my God, this is sick. you sick. sick. When my mom had her stroke about five years ago, six years ago, uh, I remember visiting her. She had to go to this—I uh, don't know what you call it. It was like an inpatient rehab center. She had to stay there for a, a couple of weeks, I guess it was, before they would let her come home. And she was the youngest person there and the healthiest. She bounced back from her stroke really well, but almost everybody there was ancient and bordering on comatose in some cases. Like they—they they had a ward. They had a a, a section of the place, and you you could go up and look through this glass window, and it was just a room of people who were just gone. Like, they could still kind of walk and stuff, but they would all just put them in a big room together, and my mom said there was an old guy there, and he was gone, and if you walked by him, he would just reach out and poke you. Everybody who walked by, he would just reach over and poke, and I'm like, yeah, that's... That's like the only, that's his form of communication now. It's the only thing he can do that'll get a response. It's like the only way to engage with somebody. I like that guy. I never met him, but I like him. But what got me thinking about my mom's stroke and the the whole like rehabilitation facility is one time I was walking by a room and it was obviously like like a middle-aged son visiting his elderly parent. And I just overheard some sort of stressed out conversation. And the son said, you're here because you're sick, remember? And he had that sort of accent. He had this sort of, I don't know what that is. I told my friend Nick about it after it happened. And he was like, oh, it's like a 70s movie. You're here because you're sick, remember? You're here because you're sick, remember? He really did have that accent. And it wasn't a New York accent. It was kinda of like there's that weird accent, like some newscasters, kind of like a Kennedy. Yeah, it's kind of a, a Kennedy family accent. Like a JFK yeah, it's exactly what it is. I guess that's Boston. But it's it's not really. It's not it's not like southy blue collar Boston. It's like this sort of educated old timey Boston movie accent. It's an old-time... It's, it's a, a 70s old-timey educated Boston ex- accent. You're here because you're sick, remember? But it really did sound... I felt like I was in a movie. Because it was surreal to begin with. And I, it was always emotional for me going to this place. Because my mom's stroke was a big thing for me, obviously. And so going to that, that facility to visit her... Was always something... And I totally get that situation. Like, you know, if your parent is having like memory issues, like my mom was starting to have memory issues before she died, just little ones. And you get mad. Like, you know, that's the thing about, I guess, is that uh, probably the early signs of dementia. And you get kind of mad. Part of it's fear. One of the reasons it, you, you get mad is Fear. Like if your parent is forgetful, you st- when you start to notice the signs of dementia, it's very easy to get mad about it. And I'm glad I didn't have to deal with full on or anything close to real dementia. What is dementia? I'm not a biologist. You think I know what dementia is? I'm not a biologist. You're here because you're sick, remember? Remember? I totally get that. I, the thing was, I totally understood that sentiment. It wasn't some mean son, some mean middle-aged son berating their elderly parent. It was obviously that sort of situation where they, the parent was probably forgetting the conversation, probably forgetting why they were even there. And uh, You're here because you're sick, remember? You're here because you're sick. I totally, I I relate. That's what I'm going to say to people. No, that's another thing I'm going to say to people. What is a woman? You're here because you're sick. You're asking me that because you're sick. You are. (laughs) If you're asking somebody that question, if if you're answering that question, all you can do is mock. The only thing left to do, the only thing left to be proud of is just your ability to mock. Not not with anger. Not get sucked in and be emotional about it and be angry. But all all that's left to do is, you know, all, all that's left is mockery. You have to mock these people. Not hate them, not not resent them. Remember that they're sick. Treat them like people who have dementia. I mean, that's how I've been living for the last couple of years. I treat the, ma- the, the vast majority of people, at least in my mind, like they have dementia because they forget everything. They move on to the next thing. Something huge and world-changing happens and they're willing to bite your nose off over it and then they move on to the next thing. They, they act like people who have dementia. You're here because you're sick. You're here because you're sick. You're here because you're sick, remember? You're because you're sick, remember? You're sick because you're here. Maybe that's it. No, but where do you go with that? I mean, you hear about. You, you know, you hear about people taking on you know levels of absurdity like internalizing levels of absurdity throughout history and when you see people live in that way when you see that become the standard currency of communication how do you undo that because what blows my mind is how quickly this became normal this became normal very quickly I saw it building but it became completely normal very quickly. And it's totally unsustainable. Because it does involve so much cognitive distance. We're going to see like huge levels of cancer. We're going to see a lot of people with cancer... Because they're maintaining such a, a high level of cognitive dissonance, and they're so worried, they're so stressed. They're so anxious about these things too. Because these different social issues that people have picked up, they've adapted they've adopted, they've adopted them, but they haven't adapted to them. And no matter how much they preach them, no matter how much they push them, they don't believe them. They don't believe what they're saying, and they live in constant fear of saying the wrong thing, because if you fully believe something, and it's just part of your framework, you don't even think about it. Like, if someone were to ask you, what is a woman, under normal circumstances, you wouldn't even think about that. That would cause you no anxiety. You wouldn't say something crass. You wouldn't say, pussy. Someone with a pussy. Stupid. Stupid. But still, you wouldn't say that. But you'd have no, I mean, you would have no anxiety. You'd just be like, that's an absurd question. That's an absurd question. What do you mean, what's a woman? I mean, imagine seeing somebody get asked that five or ten years ago in the same setting. It would be inconceivable. What's a child? What is a child? I don't know. What makes a child a child and an adult adult an adult? (laughs) What makes? (laughs) I can't even say it. What makes a child child and an adult adult? What makes child child? What makes child adult? What makes a tree a tree and a bush a bush? What makes a man a woman, and a woman a man What makes a man a man, and a woman a woman And what makes a tree a tree and a bush a bush? What makes a a poem a poem, and a song a song? What makes a, a crow a crow, and a raven a raven? a raven a raven what makes a crow a crow what makes a raven a raven what makes a man a man and a woman a woman what makes a woman a woman stupid but i'm i'm enjoying them. i need i need a good i need to cleanse myself with just the dumb the dumbest of the dumb need to cleanse myself which is the dumbest of the dumb dumbest of the damn you're here because you're sick remember you're here because you're not a biologist remember i remember in high school i took this sci-fi class it was one of the cool electives they didn't have very many cool electives. I hear about some schools, some high schools have these amazing programs. My school just had like, some class where you, as an elective, you watch sci-fi movies and write essays about them. But we watched The Time Machine, I think it was. And uh, this, there was this kid, he's the same kid that I talked about who I got in a, my one and only school fight with, and I got suspended and he was just a, you know, I've mentioned him before, but very opinionated kid who had no friends. But he and I, we managed to, to get along despite the fact that I kicked him in the stomach a few times. And we both got suspended in seventh grade or whatever year that was. But we had that class together. And he would always have some opinion about the movies we watched. And there was a time we had a sub who was just this kind of like, you are just like a deadpan, stern, middle-aged man. And the kid raised his hand. After we watched The Time Machine, the sub was like, so what'd you think? And that kid raised his hand, and he was just like, I didn't like it because of blah, blah, blah. And the sub just said, what are you, a critic? You yeah, because you're sick, remember? <laughs> Say it to high school students. You're in school because you're sick. You all thought you were here to learn. You all thought this was just what you had to do. The government sends you here to get an education. The real reason you're in school is because you're sick. Remember? It's a good thing I'm not a teacher. But that guy's that guy's response. The kid just like gave his opinion on the movie. And the teacher just said bluntly, "Just what are you, a critic?" And he meant it. Like he 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 he's. It's like one of those dads who thinks you shouldn't have an opinion on a movie. Who are you to have an opinion? Who are you to have an opinion on a movie? You're not a critic. It was like that. That was the sort of vibe he gave off. You're not qualified. But I'm imagining a scenario where somebody says something and the response is just, What are you, a biologist? What are you, a biologist? (laughs) You're here because you're sick. I know it when I see it. It does fit in with the era of experts. The era of fact checkers. Taking things that are obvious and then saying we have to defer to these other people who are faceless. They're like an anonymous jury somewhere. Every time I see that, every time I see a headline and I see it a lot where it's like fact checkers say experts say it's so faceless and it's supposed to be the whole point is the facelessness of it all the whole point is that you can't actually think anything on your own and i i just ended up one of those i I've, I've, I've turned into a hot topic t-shirt I'm just like they don't want you to think for yourself does seem that way though I mean it I, I haven't willingly turned into a hot topic t-shirt the world has turned me the world made me into a hot topic t-shirt I'm a really baggy what I am these days is I'm a very baggy black hot topic t-shirt resting on the buxom breast of a hot Molgoth girl that's what I am now But that's the idea. The idea is who are you to think for yourself? Who are you to think about anything? We must defer to these faceless experts. We don't know who they are. We don't we don't need you to know who they are. Turns out they're like BuzzFeed interns. That's that's who they are. They're Snopes editors. Uh, I wish I was kidding. Excuse me, what's a woman? Can you answer that question for us? What what's what does a woman what does it mean to be a woman? What do you think I am? a, A snopes editor? What do you think I'm sick? You can't engage though. I think the best weapon is disengagement. It is not playing into that game. You don't want to be, because the thing is, when I see those sorts of things, I, I see like right-wing reactionaries respond to that sort of stuff, and they'll be like, they basically take on their own version of trust the science, and they're like, well, they, they, they have a Y chromosome and, and a vagina, and they got boobs with nipples on them, and they get, uh, they wear makeup and have long hair, and they give birth. and It's not even worth doing that it's not even it's not worth explaining to these people what a woman actually is they know what a woman is all these people who are doing this they know exactly what a woman is you don't need to actually tell them you don't need to play their game of like well actually biology says this you don't need to actually even play into it at all you laugh When you play a sick game, you become a sick player. Dude, you're just a sick player. You're a sick player. Sick player. Hey sick player. It's how I greet my friends. I say, "Hey sick player." My friends, well, that's our gang. We're the sick players. The almighty sick players. But, uh, no, it's a beautiful thing, though. It's it's an honor to witness all this. It's an honor to witness the culture just spiral. Because spirals are beautiful. You know, if I was some large entity, if I was a giant bigger than the earth, and I was just, I had a top-down view, and I was just watching the culture spiral... It would just be like watching water go down the drain because that's exactly what it's doing. It's water going down the drain. And, uh, you know, you take that big picture look and you just say, oh, yeah, there it goes. There it goes, and it's taking a bunch of things down there with it. It's like when I was a little kid, I went over to my neighbor's house and his mom took us to the store and he bought Playmobil toys. They were a Playmobil family. There are certain types of families and this family. They were really into Playmobil. And I sort of took for granted what Playmobil even was. Like, it's not Lego. Like, there's no uh, special... There's no, like, special attribute that it has. Like, you can't build anything... It kind of looks like bigger Legos, like it's these very plain looking toys. There was something really attractive about them, though. Like, I had some. You know, I I, I, I had some Playmobiles. It wasn't my thing, but I had a, I had a few Playmobiles. But the, this neighbor of mine, like, they were a Playmobile family. Like, he didn't have G.I. Joe's or anything. He just had a bunch of Playmobiles. And we went we went to the store, though, and... He bought a, a fisherman, it was this little Playmobil fisherman, and, uh, he had a little hat, a little yellow hat, and it came with these silver fish that float, so you could put these little silver fish in a bucket of water or whatever in the sink, and that's what he did. We went to his bathroom, and it was one of those sinks that has, like, a pull-out plug, It wasn't one of the ones where you, like, pull a lever and it closes. It was one of the ones that has a plug that you have to manually put in it to keep the water. You don't see those very often. But he did that. He put the plug in the sink, and he filled up the sink with water to be kind of like a little pond. And he wanted to make... And he put the fisherman on the side, and he put all the fish in the water. And being a little kid, when we were done doing that, which didn't last long... I mean, I was never that sort of kid either, like... If a toy had had some special feature like like if I bought a toy it had like a, a like a GI Joe with a missile launcher I never used the missile launcher. I wouldn't like fire the missile out of the missile launcher. I wouldn't like set things up and knock them down with a missile. And if I had bought that playmobile with fish that float in water like I never would have even put them in water. But that's exactly this kid wanted to do that. He was like we're going to stop up this we're gonna plug up the sink and make the fish float yeah because you're sick remember and uh but he he pulled the plug before he took the fish out being a little kid he didn't think it through and i was just an observer but he pulled the plug out before the fish were out of the water and that water went down fast those spirals go fast that whirlpool goes fast And I remember watching him, I remember watching his little hands grasp at the fish, and it was almost in slow motion, like watching each fish go down the drain, because they were small. They were small and thin little Playmobil fish, and like the desperation, I mean, it was tragic. I found no joy in it, and it happened so quickly, I didn't even know it was happening, like, just being an observer, it was his toy, his house, which is a rule I still follow. His toy, his house. His toy, his house. But it happened so quickly, I didn't even realize what he was doing, he, but he just, he unplugged it, and, like, I remember just watching his, like, hands just try to grab those fish, and then the fish just went down the drain, and he just burst into the saddest, I don't even know what to call it. Not a tantrum, but it was like he burst into tears. It was like it, it was like something died, and it was a brand new toy. And the, the fisherman didn't <laughs> the fisherman didn't go down the drain. Fisherman was too big, and off to the side. But those fish were gone. Those fish are down in the sewer. Those fish have a whole new life. They have a whole new lease on life. When we bought that when we bought that Playmobil an hour earlier those fish didn't know that they'd be living in the sewer an hour later but he was like grasping for him and he lives in this area now he was my neighbor and you know there was a few years where he was one of my best friends but then he was older than I was And when you go, once you're in school, you know, once you're in the school system, when you're sick, when you're a sick player, you don't really, you don't necessarily stay friends with all the neighbor kids and stuff. Like, you're always friendly. You still see each other. You still play with each other sometimes. But it's different. So, like, I would see him around and stuff, but we never hung out together once we were in school. But uh, I found out some years ago that he and his mom, like, his... His parents got a divorce, and he and his mom moved down to this area. They live on an island about 20 minutes away from me. But they're part of, they are, they live in the Olympia area on this remote island. And I, I see his mom all the time. I don't talk to her. And I wonder sometimes if she psychically knows it's me. Because my mom ran into her years ago, and like we always had plans to meet up. And she works in the bakery of a grocery store that I went to every day for like ten years. It's like the fancy grocery store. And sometimes I'll go there once in a blue moon, and I'll I'll see her behind the bakery counter, and it's it's surreal because I'm like, I saw those fish go down the drain in your old house. I saw the I saw those fish go down the drain. I saw your son burst into tears. I know your. Fa- I, I spent so much time at your house. That is. That's one of those weird things, though, because you don't see. I mean, nobody from my hometown lives in Olympia. So the fact that our neighbors, who were family friends, moved down here, but the thing is, I found out her son lost his mind. He was always a nice kid. He was so nice. There was one time where I did have a class with him. Like I was in a split class. I was in first grade and he was in second grade, but for some reason we had the same teacher. They would do that. It was a weird thing they would do. They would have split classes where like one teacher would have kids from both grades, even in elementary school. And he was in my class. And there was a time we had to go to PE and take our shoes off to like play on the mats. Like we were doing uh, tumbling, I think they call it. We were doing gymnastics and tumbling and we had to take our shoes off but I didn't know how to tie my shoes yet I was a late bloomer in the shoe tying game and so that I had to take my shoes off but I couldn't tie them. and he offered to tie them for me he was a really sweet kid he was a genuinely sweet kid like he didn't mock me like he, he very well could like the way kids are he very well could have been like oh you're such a fag you can't tie your shoes what are you gay you gay can't tie your shoes are you gay? you're here because you're gay remember? you can't tie your shoes because you're gay remember? You're you can't tie your shoes because you're gay remember? He easily could have been a kid and said something stupid and cruel like that but he simply he kneeled down like a gentleman and he tied my shoes for me and I learned at a time I think that inspired me to tie my shoes. I think that inspired me to learn. It was humiliating. It was so nice of him to do that for me, but it was humiliating to to rely on another man to tie my shoes. I should make people do that today. I should make other people tie my shoes today like a like a lord. <laughs> You know, you, you you go to restaurants and you pay somebody to pretend to be your servant, like you're some sort of false nobility. You should be able to go somewhere and pay somebody to tie your shoes. You know, you used to pay somebody to shine your shoes. Or give someone a nickel to tie my shoes. I should do that. I should I should go out there. I should market my services. I should be like, I'll tie your shoes for a nickel. You hear, you're doing that because you're sick. You're tying people's shoes for nickels because you're sick. Remember, I mean, it's something homeless people could do. Homeless people could do that. What that reminds me of is, uh, well, just to finish that up, that kid though—the kid whose fish went down the drain. Yeah, he lives in this area, and uh, I mean, I, he was—he was a really sweet, normal, well-adjusted kid with a lot of friends, played soccer. And he lost his mind in early adulthood. He's a severe alcoholic, like they can't have alcohol in the house or he'll drink it. And he, he I found out that he took all their family photos and burned them, and his siblings won't talk to him. I'm like, what happened? It's the fish, isn't it? The fish it's because of the fish. If those fish had never gone down the drain, you wouldn't be out of your mind today. But I've had an offer to visit them, and, you know, I would like to. Because, I mean, like, he was such a great guy. He was always just such a great guy. And then, like, hearing that now that he's, like, 37, he burned all of his family photos. And he, he you know, he he drinks until he loses consciousness. And he's apparently really mean. That's what gets me. That's what's sad. That's what I hate. Is I, I heard that he's really mean now. Like this kid was... Ne- this kid didn't have a mean bone in his body. He didn't even call me gay because I couldn't tie my shoes. He tied them for me. And now he's mean. And crazy. And he sent me a weird message on Facebook. Like he's, and he's even... He's using a different first name. He's going by some new first name that's not his middle name I don't think. But he messaged me online and it was it was a nice message. It wasn't maybe he's not mean. Maybe he's just mean to his family. That's what I've heard. I've heard he's mean to his family. But he sent me a nice message but it was weird. And he sent apparently about a year earlier he had sent a message to my sister. Apparently they had seen each other at a wedding a few years ago. And like five years later, he messaged her on Facebook apologizing for the way he acted at the wedding, but he didn't do anything at the wedding. Like I asked her, like, what did he do at the wedding? It, and she said nothing. Like it was fine. We just said hi and that was it. And so it sounds like he had a complete mental break. And it's sad. It sucks. I'm not making light of it. But uh, it's because it's the fish went down the drain. I know maybe I have the secret to cure him. Which is like, hey man, sit down. I know things are bad. Do you remember going to the this and what's funny is the store where we bought the Playmobil, where we bought his Playmobile Fisherman, it was called Pinocchio's. And it was one of those toy stores that doesn't have anything cool. I mean Playmobile was cool. I thought it was cool in its own way. But it was one of those children's toy stores. It's like educational toys. Those were the worst stores in the world. It was all like European toys and like educational shit. You wouldn't find a single G.I. Joe or Ninja Turtle or anything. You wouldn't find a single He-Man. You wouldn't find a single he And And... Uh, I should bring that up to him, though. I mean, I might have the key. I might pos- I might have the key in my possession to cure him. I just need to sit down with him and say, hey, do you remember going to Pinocchio's? It was about 1990. Do you remember on July 2nd, 1990, you and I lived two doors down from each other? And I went over to your house and then your mom took us to Pinocchio's Pinocchio's and you bought a Playmobil fisherman with little silver fish that floated in real water And you you remember we took it home We took it to your house and your sink the sink in your childhood bathroom Did the sink in your childhood bathroom you had a little plug. You had to stick it in and pull it out yourself. Hey, no dirty jokes. No dirty jokes, okay? You had to put the plug in and pull it out yourself. So you plugged up the sink and then you, you filled it with waters and you put the little fishes in it and they floated, remember? And you remember what happened then? You remember what happened? You pulled the plug before you took the fishes out. You pulled the plug before you took the fishes out. And then they went down the drain. They went down the freaking drain, <laughs> You're here cause you're sick. There are there were signs though. I mean there were little things. There was only one thing actually, like There was a story that I think like his senior year of high school, it came out because he drove a Suburban that he inherited and the gossip mill in my little community where I lived, word got around that he had taken the Suburban onto this, onto the field of this park and went off-roading and this is not a place where you drive, like this is like a baseball field and uh, like a kid's park. And he apparently drove the Suburban onto the grass field with a frickin' Suburban, which is huge, and, like, did, did uh, wheelies or whatever you do. Did figure eights and put ruts into the field. And, he, and then, like, a guy reported him and he denied it. But I was like, that's not like him at all. That's not the kind of thing he would do. That's, that's really destructive for him. Like he didn't, he made beads and shit. He was like a little hippie kid. His family, they weren't hippies really, but like, he would make, uh, he would make beads out of Fimo, which was kind of this clay. Fimo was this clay that you could, uh, like you could get different colors of it and like they had tools for it. And you could make it into shapes and you could, uh, make designs. And he was really good with it. He was like the Fimo kid. And he would sell them. Like at arts and crafts fairs and stuff, he would make these little beads and necklaces and designs. And they were really well done because he was a talented artist. He had a really a great natural talent for art. And uh, the FEMO kid. They call him the FEMO kid. Oh, You better get out of the saloon, boys. The FEMO kid is here. Oh, it's the FEMO kid. Better call the sheriff. Call the sheriff. It's the FEMO kid. He brought his beads. He made those beads with FEMO. But, uh, yeah, he was this really peaceful, laid-back kid. And, like, hearing that he did this off-roading at a public park... I was like, yeah, he's a teenager, and maybe he and his friends kind of pressured each other into doing that. It's not the worst thing in the world you could do. I'm not, I'm not acting like that's the worst thing in the world. It's something a teenager would do, but it was so unlike him. And then now hearing that he's in the condition he's in, I'm just like, huh. It all started when those fishies went down the drain. But uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him even though I'm saying all these awful things about his mental condition I have, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for him just but it's shocking it's the last person in the world you'd expect the last person you'd ever expect to be burning family photos and to have his siblings because his siblings loved him. He loved his siblings. It's really freaking sad he loved his siblings. They were all they had a bunch of them It was a big family. And when he messaged me, he was really nice, but it was vacant. There was a vacancy to what he was saying, and it didn't make sense entirely. Kind of like him apologizing to my sister for nothing, for something that happened at a wedding five years ago. Like, what did he do? Did What did he do? But that's the thing, though. Like, people who have lost their minds sometimes apologize for things that didn't happen. Like there used to be a lady, a crazy lady downtown here, and my coworkers and I would walk by her every day, and she would stop dead in her tracks with her eyes huge, with those eyes that I always talk about where you can see the white above the iris. And she would stop and look at you with this shocked look. And one time, like I was walking through a crosswalk, and she was passing by me, and she stopped dead in her tracks in the middle of the crosswalk and just looked at me and she said, you said I did what to children? You said I did what to children? So she's like hallucinating that I accused her of doing something to children. You said I did what to children? You here? because you're sick, remember? That's kind of what it reminded me of. When my sister said that this old friend who she barely even knew. She was a lot older than him. Like, he was my friend. And, like, like the extent of, of their communication at this wedding was just like, oh, hi, I haven't seen you in a long time. You know, it wasn't like they had anything to really talk about. And so him apologizing for nothing five years later, he might as well have said, you said I did what? I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for what I did to those children. I'm so sorry for what I did to those children. I mean, it reminds me, there was a guy, a schizophrenic guy who was arrested here about 12 years ago. And he was living in a... He was living in Watershed Park, which is a nature park. Trees and everything. It's like a nice forest. And he had built an underground bunker there that he was living in. Like he had dug out a bunker and put shelves in. He had built like this dirt house in the ground, but he got arrested because in a nearby neighborhood, a guy had broken into a house and molested a little girl and he was never caught. And then one night shortly, I think that night or not that night, but like a couple nights later, a cop was driving through that neighborhood because they were patrolling for that reason to try to catch this guy. And he saw somebody like scurry out of the bushes into the forest, which is terrifying. And he tracked him down to this dirt bunker in the ground that the guy was living in. And they arrested him. And the guy confessed to raping this little girl. He like, he confessed. He said, like, I I was the one who broke into that house and molested that girl. And it was in the news at that point. So it's something everybody knew about. I knew about it. But then it came out he didn't do it. Like the DNA didn't match and like he didn't, there was no, there was nothing to back up his claim that he was the culprit. Like he was obviously a strange guy. He was living in a a dirt, he was schizophrenic and living in a dirt bunker in the ground at this park. And he was scurrying around in the bushes in the middle of the night. But it turns out he didn't do anything to this little girl. But he confessed to it. Just it's not like they it's not like they pressed him either. I doubt it was some interrogation where they coerced him. I think it's it's like that lady downtown going like, "You said I did what to children?" It's like in this guy's mind, he probably just thought he did it. It reminds me too, like in high school, uh, two of my friends took a bunch of robitussin. We used to do that. We used to take DXM and trip our minds away. I did it more than anyone, actually. I was the one, I was the friend who was really into it for a while, but a couple of my friends were on it one night, and they ran into this kid they knew from the school, and he was on a bunch of mushrooms. They just happened to run into each other. He was on a bunch of mushrooms. My friends were on a bunch of DXM, and DXM fucks you up, and my friends were like laying on the ground, like twitching. They were just like out of their minds, fucked up. And the kid on mushrooms freaked out, as you would expect. I mean, it's, it's horrifying. P- seeing people on a high dose of Robitussin is not a good thing on mushrooms, I can imagine. But the guy on mushrooms, like they were at a party or something, and he, he started going around to people and he was saying, I killed them. I I, I killed them. And he, he meant it. Like he started to believe that he had he had done it. Like them being on the ground twitching on DXM, he like in his like hallucinatory mushroom state, he became convinced that he had done something to them. I did it. <laughs> that was so funny to me at the time, hearing about that. I'm like, he was going around being like I, I, like stuttering, like stammering, saying like I, I, I killed them. And that is sort of like a, 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 schizo, sort of a schizophrenic, schizoid sort of thought. The idea that everything you do is causing everything that is happening around you. I mean, like it's easy to get sucked into that way of thinking because everything is connected. But I know that is a common feature where it's like this idea. It's very narcissistic in a way. It's like, you think you're controlling everything, every outcome around you. And even though there is something true in that, you can't get too caught up in it. And I think that happens to people sometimes when they are on a, in a heavy psychedelic state, like this kid on mushrooms thinking that like he he was experiencing such an altered state of mind. And he knew that my friends were fucked up beyond belief and just laying there. And it's like in his mind, though, it's like he connected these dots that like somehow in that intense psychedelic state that he had caused it. I just wish I could have been there to see it. I met a dude a couple of days ago who has a DXM tattoo, actually. That's funny. My friend came over and brought her new boyfriend, who's a cool guy, nice guy. But we got to talking about drugs and stuff, and I was like, oh, when I was in high school, I did a bunch of DXM. I was, I was pretty much like the DXM guy of my group of friends. And he was like, oh, that was me too. Funny what you relate to people over. Because I don't meet a lot of people who abuse DXM. I mean, I didn't do it a ton of times. I just did it more than anybody else. Probably like, I don't know, probably five to ten times. I don't know. I knew a guy who did it all the time. They called him Robo Joe. He was old. He was a skateboarder. My friends knew. And he would do it all the time. Like, it was not uncommon for him to do it multiple times a month. I can't imagine doing that. But the dude I met the other night, we we got to talk about DXM. And he was like, well, check this out. And he pulled up his sleeve, and on the underside of his arm, he has the, like the molecular structure of DXM tattooed on him. And I was like, wow. I wouldn't know what that is just at first glance, but wow. That's amazing. That's a cool tattoo. <laughs> you know, it is. Uh, like, If you're going to get a tattoo, get the molecular structure of DXM on your arm. I feel like that's, uh, I've never seen that before. I've never met anybody. I've met, like, everybody I've ever known has a tattoo. It's the first person I've ever met who has a DXM tattoo. Um. I feel like I had something I wanted to go off onto. You're here because you're sick, Remember? like there was something I was going to hit on. It was, re- it was relating to the fishes, to the fish. Maybe it had something to do with educational toys. Those hellish stores. Stores were hellish. You'd, you'd spend an hour in one of those looking for something that's cool and you couldn't find it. And the sort of kids who add those toys. Like if you went over to a kid's house and they had a bunch of educational toys... They're going to have, like, nasty organic soda in the fridge. They're going to have nasty healthy chips. It's not, it's, it's not like... Like, those houses... Like, what made those... Going over to a kid's house and it's like that... Like, you're not going to go over there and only find healthy food. Like, you're not going to go over to one of those houses and they're going to have, like, no snacks whatsoever. They're just going to have... They're, you're, not, you're not just going to find vegetables or something. You're They're going to open up the pantry and offer you a snack and it's like these health chips which are worse than anything it's like worse than an apple or something and that's something i can say about all my best friends growing up is that it didn't matter who they were what their economic bracket was what their family was like like all my friends including my family you go over to their house and they just order a pizza they give you pepsi and a pizza Pepsi and a pizza. That's just what they did. They knew that that was conducive to kids hanging out. Kids hanging out. But there was a kid, I knew a kid, and you would go over to his house and it was like this nasty organic soda, the flavorless organic soda. And some kind of chips that I, I don't even know the name of them. I know what they look like. But they were like whole grain something something chips that you just hated. You'd rather have nothing. And no action figures, just like educational toys, like stuff that's like supposed to prove to like provoke your brain to learn. And he's a woman now. He is a woman now, which is crazy. Found out a few years ago that he's a woman. And he, he's the one that I've talked about on here who he turned 18 before everybody else in school. And right after his 18th birthday, he asked me, Draw me, I want you to draw me an image of a grim reaper pointing. And I was like, You want that? I would love to draw that. Because he, he wanted it up on like on his deltoid and bicep. He wanted it, it was gonna be big. He wanted his first tattoo to be a Grim Reaper pointing, and it would cover his upper arm. But he wasn't that kind of kid. Like, he wasn't a biker. He was a really normal mainstream kid who played soccer and just listened to whatever popular music was around at the time. He was a totally normal kid. He was not into anything dark. He's the last person in the world that you could ever imagine would want a tattoo of a grim Reaper pointing so what I did is I drew him the molecular structure of DXM no but uh, I was like I'd love to draw that I'd love, I'd love to draw that for you but I was taken aback that he wanted that like and clearly the idea was like he just wanted a tattoo he didn't care what the tattoo was he just wanted a tattoo. And whatever I would have drawn at the time would have been like a prison tattoo. Like, I would have drawn him probably like a Grim Reaper pointing. And he wanted it to be pointing at, like, you. It was was supposed to be like a point of view drawing. Where, like, the Grim Reaper is, like, pointing at whoever is looking at it. And I wish I would have done it. Because it would have been like a prison or a biker tattoo if I had done it. Because my drawing skills weren't as developed and... It would have been me at 17 years old drawing a Grim Reaper pointing. But it was obvious that he just wanted a tattoo and he didn't care what it was. Because, I mean, that would have taken me a little bit. Like, this is going to go on somebody's body. I'm not going to draw it in an afternoon. I'm going to think about it. But he asked me to draw it and, like, less than a week passed. It was like, I don't even think it was a full week. And he comes into class and he goes, oh, I got a tattoo. And I was like, oh. And he pulls up his sleeve, and it's the Sublime Sun. The band Sublime has that logo that's like a sun with a face. So he, in the span of a week, he went from wanting a Grim Reaper pointing to just impulsively getting the Sublime Sun. Like I, I never even knew he was a Sublime fan. That was the most popular band as far as like my class went. Like everybody in my grade loved Sublime. I never even knew he liked... I I didn't even think of him as a sublime fan. And then now to think that he's a woman now... With a sublime son on his arm. That's crazy. Shows you that you can't predict things. But his family, they were... You know, educational toys... flashcards, Organic soda... Whole grain chips. Like, if you were staying at his house as a kid, his mom would cook you some meal, which, I, you know, I don't really, that's a nice thing to do, but it was never something kids are going to like. Whereas, like, if you went over to my other friends' houses, it was like, we're ordering you a pepperoni pizza. What else do you want on it? We're getting a 12 pack of Pepsi. And we're gonna put it in the, the basement fridge so you guys can just go get it whenever you want. While you're making prank phone calls, while you're making crank phone calls. You're here because you're sick, remember? And that was the amazing thing. Like my, my best friend growing up, like his he, he had a fit family. Like his mom worked out. She was like a gym rat. His dad was like a former gymnast. And a businessman wore a leotard under his suit. No, but really, like, he had, a, he had a fit athletic family. There wasn't a single fat person in that family. But if he was having friends over, Doritos, pizzas, his room was in the basement. It was this amazing room, and it connected to the garage, and it connected to this weird little, like, social club It was, they had this weird little, like, like his room was in the basement, but then there was a door to another part of the basement that was unfinished. So it had like a concrete floor and like wood paneling or something. And they just had storage in there, but then, and like a bare light bulb with a a pull cord. And then they just had like a folding card table set up. So, you know, we used to use that as kind of like a little social club and hang out in there. And then a fridge just like stocked with Pepsi. That was my kind of environment. That's what it should be like to go to a friend's house. But uh, no, not a, not a single educational toy in sight. They had a closet. You go into this closet. Big closet. Big closet. And it's just filled with toy guns and costumes. One time, we uh, he shared a room with his little brother, who was a bit quite a bit younger than we were. And when we got to that age where we would sneak out and just we were just up to no good, we did a lot of prank phone calls. We were always pranking during that period. And uh, one night, we decided to prank his brother because his brother would all his brother was like seven years old. No, his brother was like nine years old or something, and we were older. And we decided that our, our prank that night, because his, his brother would always fall asleep early because he was little. He was little. And so his brother would be asleep in bed while we were just coming up with schemes. We'd just sit, his brother would go to bed and we would just stay up all night scheming. <laughs> Not even kidding. We would just <laughs> be like prank calling and just sneaking outside and just doing whatever we could. But his little brother was asleep and his his bed was like right below a window, and that was the window we would sneak out of. And because it was the basement, that window opened to the street, to the driveway. And so we went into the the gun closet, and we put on costumes like they had fake mustache. It was amazing. They had wigs. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a Halloween store, you know, or anything. But they they were like a creative family too. So. They had like a a couple fake mustaches and a couple wigs, and so we put those on. And then like we put on like these hats, like these old timey hats, and we put on like they had like like old like thrift store suit jackets because they had a bunch of boys. They had you know they had three boys, so there was they had a bunch of stuff. You know they just like you got to keep. I mean when you have three boys, you got to keep them focused buy him mustaches and suits, <laughs> you know, go to the thrift store and buy him a suit. So we put that stuff on and we took toy guns. And this is the era where toy guns actually looked more like real guns. And our we came up with a scheme where we were going to open the window above where my friend's little brother was sleeping. And I was already going to be in the room. And then my buddy Nick, he was going to be... Coming in through the window. Like suspended above his brother. And then what he did is. As he like pretended to crawl through the window. And he was still like halfway through it. So his like torso was inside the house. And his legs were outside. He. Just like. Shot his hand down over his little brother's mouth and pointed the gun at him and went uh shh and i remember like my friend's little brother his eyes just like shot open he went like Whoa! and his eyes just shot open and he, he he figured it out pretty quickly like he figured out that we were just fucking around but that's really sick you <laughs> you here cuz you can't even do it uh like, but it, it was, I feel like that was a really good prank. Really sick, but really fun. And, uh, like, we, the funny thing is, like, I don't even think he planned, like, I don't think we even discussed the idea of him putting his hand over his brother's mouth. I think the plan was for just me to already be, like, next to the bed. The idea was basically that my friend coming in through the window and climbing across the bed would wake up his brother and then he would look up and see like two guys with mustaches and guns in in the room and freak out. But improv you know, improv is, is beautiful. And as Nick was crawling to the window, he just like shot his hand down, like forcefully. Like forcefully just shot his hand down onto his little brother's mouth. And like I, I still remember his eyes. Cause his eyes just like shot open, like bulging. And he and he let out like a muffled cry. Sick, really sick. But you know that's what you do. That's that's like we didn't have smartphones, okay? We didn't have we didn't have Facebook back then. We didn't have uh, sinks full of Playmobil fish to wash down. We just had costumes and. A mean-spirited creativity. But thinking about sneaking out is wild. Because once we became young teenagers, we did it every, every time there was a sleepover. And we would have sleepovers like every weekend at somebody's house. And pretty much no matter who it was, we got into the habit of either sneaking out through a window or just like quietly leaving. And we would just run around in the night middle of the night, drinking Pepsis, getting all that caffeine, and then we would just run around, we'd go to parks, we would, uh, we wouldn't trespass, but we would kind of like look at people's windows, we would just, we would just be free, but when I look back on that, we were tiny, we were like 13 years old, we looked like kids, and I can I totally understand why, you're, why parents wouldn't want you to do that. I mean, it was a safe community. It wasn't like we were doing this in the city or something. But, uh, you know, I mean, safe community or not, shit happens. And it's wild to think that we were like, we were like running around in the middle of the street in the suburbs. And uh, I can totally understand why parents didn't want you to do that. Like looking back now, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a reason why we had to sneak out why parents didn't like the idea of you just running around wild all over the town, you know? But, I mean, I, I do truly miss that. I do truly miss being able to do that. And... Uh, You know, uh, we weren't exactly biologists. It's not like we were biologists out there. We were just boys. We weren't biologists, we were just boys. But thinking about that level of freedom, the fact that a fun idea for us was to dress up like burglars, like old-timey burglars. You know, it wasn't like we dressed like thugs when we scared his brother. We dressed up like these old-timey burglars with, like, old-timey suits and mustaches and guns. But, like, the idea of just, like, oh, hey, you know, we can watch TV and movies all night. Or, you know, once we get ten Pepsis in us each, we can make prank phone calls all night. Or we can sneak out and just run around like animals. People don't do that. As adults, adults don't do that. I don't, I don't see kids today doing that. Kids today. Instead, kids today are like, well, we don't actually know what a woman is because the fact checkers say that it's complicated. I saw that. There was an article released today that said, like, biologists say that they can't answer what a woman is because it's complicated. What you need to do is you need to make prank phone calls, Get some pizza and some Pepsi in you. And then you need to dress up like a burglar and terrify somebody. Terrify somebody's little brother. That's what you need to do. You need to, oh, it's complicated. What a woman is? Oh, that's very complicated. And we need we need to consult with the fact checking biologist to figure that out. What you need to do is come up with a scheme. Come up with a fun scheme tonight. Don't go on the internet anonymously and talk shit to somebody. That's not the same thing. Don't argue with somebody online about whether a woman is something that you can identify as a non-biologist. What you need to do is come up with a scheme. Come up with a scheme tonight. Carry it out. I see a land where children can run free.